When somebody's the president of the United States, the authority is total. The authority is total. The authority is total. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Find out what is in it. In an empire lies, the truth is treason. The truth is treason. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. By the military-industrial complex. You know what? Screw it. Yeah, I know your podcast feeds are late this week. I know that you have a lot of podcasts to listen to and they're just not producing podcasts because it's the Christmas week and the Christmas holidays, New Year's and all this stuff. And uh, I figure I am so pissed about the entire, what everything that's going on with COVID right now that maybe I just want to get it off my chest because I don't do I Am the Empire that much anymore. I've done like one or two shows this year. It's been a while. The elections were over. It was originally I Am 2020, and I was keeping an eye on the 2020 elections, looking at the Democrats and Donald Trump and all the stuff that was going on. And then all of a sudden, COVID hits about, what was it, like the last year before? Yeah, 2020. So um, I was doing the podcast daily for a while for 2019 looking at all the candidates and all that stuff and then all of a sudden COVID hits February 2020 and I started looking into it and I was freaked out really really freaked out in the beginning of March of 2020 like I remember I think I did an episode March 10th or so of 2020 you could go back and listen and look at it And I was freaked out. Like, I was thinking, holy crap, 10% death rate. I was going with all the stuff that the news was saying, right? Because in February, I started looking into it. Or January, I started hearing about. January 2020, I started hearing about what was going on with COVID over in China. And I was looking at all of the data that was coming in. And it was like, you know, 2,000 cases and 200 deaths. 3,000 cases and 300 deaths. You know, and then you start hearing about it a little bit more. And then you get one case in America in the beginning of February, up in Seattle, I think is where it was at. And then you're hearing 10% death rate. So you start doing the math. You know, there's a doubling every every five days. So you have 2,000. And five days later, it's 4,000. And five days later, it's 8,000, and I'm sitting there doing the math. I'm like, damn, man, in like eight months, I was thinking by by the end of the summer, this thing's going to spread so much, and I'm not understanding epidemiology and how, how, how viruses spread. So I'm sitting there freaking out, thinking, holy crap, because this is the way the news is presenting it, right? The news, the media is presenting it as 10% death rate doubling every five days. So I'm doing the math, and I'm predicting this thing out. And I told my wife, I remember, I was like, man, this thing really might be bad. It's doubling every ten, every five days or however many days it was. And there's a 10% death rate. I'm like, within like, by the end of the summer, there's going to be 6 billion people that have this thing. 
and 600 million deaths at that point. Like, that is my thought process that's going on through February. I'm not really looking at it from a rational standpoint because no one knows. Everyone's everyone's unaware of what's going on during the first few months of COVID-19. It doesn't matter where it came from, how it came out, if it was a bat, if it was developed in a lab. That stuff doesn't concern people. It's just like, it's a new thing. What's going on? We're trying to figure it out. We're trying to get some answers. We're trying to see what the ultimate death rate's going to be. We're trying to see what the hospitalization rate's going to be. So then you start hearing in March, two weeks to flatten the curve. And that happened. I remember we had a St. Patrick's Day party. St. Patrick's Day, I believe, is March 17th every year. And and the 17th was on a Tuesday. So I think we had our St. Patrick's Day on a Saturday. March 12th or 13th or something like that of 2020. Because we do a big St. Patrick's Day party every year. Because my wife and I, we met at Bennigan's, which is an Irish bar and grill. So we decided that, you know, we'd always have St. Patrick's Day. So that's what we did. Anyway, so um, next thing you know, the next day, I think it was, we called it the party that shut down the world. Because the next day is the day that you start hearing, all right, tomorrow, Monday, we're going to lock down. We're going to do two weeks to, sh- to, to shorten the curve, to, you know, to flatten the curve. We're going to do two weeks to flatten the curve. Everyone's on board. I remember in the beginning of March, first week of March, I think it was uh, San Francisco shut down. They did a stay-at-home order, stand-in-place or whatever it was called. And then a few other cities did it. But then it became a national thing within like 10 days. So that weekend, we had the big party. There was some people that were concerned about COVID at that point. But we're in South Carolina. I don't think it matters that much, right? I don't think that COVID was on a quick spread through South Carolina that by that point. But we were, I remember people, like, we were joking about it, super spreader event or whatever. No, I don't think super spreader event was a coined term yet at that point. But we were, you know, some people mentioned it. But, you know, it was just a fun party, having a good time. But we called it the, but later on we called it the party that shut down America because um, the next day is when you start hearing it. So then we have two weeks to slow the spread. And I did a show around that time. I don't remember exactly what day it was. And I was worried. I was concerned. But that's when I really started looking deeper into the things. And I was, I was concerned. I was like a little bit fearful of the future and all that. I was going along with all the all the stuff, all the propaganda, all the all the words that the that the politicians were saying and the so-called public health experts were saying that you know, this is going to be bad, that we're going to have a bad future and all that. Then, then, like within three days, I start looking into it. I'm like, this is a hospital bed issue. This is an issue because we're doing two weeks to flatten the curve. And there's, let's say there's 10 or 100,000 hospital beds in America and 10,000 of them are ICU beds. And they're expecting things to go crazy for a while and it's starting to hit New York pretty bad by then 
And I'm like, this is not a... Because two weeks to flatten the curve, if you remember, was, oh, we're going to have hospital bed occupancy that's going to be too high. And they were saying, you know, you're going to have this. They they showed the original curve. This is how many people are going to go to the hospital for it. And if we do it in a short amount of time, it's going to be a quick spike and then go down. And we're going to, in the hospital bed occupancy, there's only 10,000 hospital beds and we're going to need 30,000 hospital beds. So if we just two weeks to flatten the curve, we're still going to have 30,000 people that need to go to the hospital, but it's going to happen over a five month period or a two month period instead of a two week period. So that was the entire mantra of two weeks to flatten the curve is that you're still going to have that many deaths we're still going to have that, or seriously, we're still going to have that many hospitalizations. We, just, uh, we need to spread it out over a longer period because if we have no hospital beds available, then people are going to die. But people still died. But I realized at that point that this is a hospital bed issue, not a, that's it. So all they need to do is create more hospital beds. They need to, you know, Instead of having one person per room, two people per room. You're like, there's there's things you can do to to fix that problem because the problem is not the virus at that point. The problem is the number of hospital beds. It just seemed to me like a, a at, by the by the next show that I did, I ended up having a show on that I was like, okay, that, that's how I explained it. But I mean, that's not that that was me in a situation where there's not a lot of information. I'm just a lay person i'm no scientist i was just rationalizing all that stuff in my mind and that's it that's what i was doing by that point you know i wasn't an expert by any means but i started to question the narrative that was going on because everyone was freaking out and i've always been skeptical i think that there's a group of people in the world including yourself i'm sure since you're listening to the show that you're skeptical of, of authority, you're skeptical, you look at things a little bit deeper than everybody else. Most people look at things, like they hear what they hear on TV, and then they wear a mask in their car alone. That's not most people, but some people. There's people that are going to wear a, like I've seen these stupid things that people wear, like you ever seen the picture, the, the meme of the people out hiking, and they have like a, a clear you know, tent looking thing over their head and they got their hiking poles sticking out the side of it and they're walking through a forest hiking in the middle of the woods alone or maybe there's some people on a hiking trail. But they are that freaked out and crazy about COVID. And then there's other people who are like, yeah, this is fake. I don't believe it and whatever. So there's the ultra skeptical, and then there's the ones that just do what they're told, and they go above and beyond doing what they're told because they're freaked out, and they think that. So, so that's how extreme people are on this stuff. But I was just skeptical. I was looking into it, and I was like, mm, maybe, maybe there's a little more to this than what they're saying because the press has us all freaked out and two weeks to flatten the curve and this is what the mantra is now two weeks to flatten the curve within a month was gone like 
there was no more talking about two months of flatten the curve. We're going to, yeah, we're still going to have the same amount of hospitalizations. We're still going to have the same spread. It's going to happen over the same amount of time or longer time instead of a shorter time. So it's going to save lives that way. There was no more talk of that within a month. And you know why? It's because, because it's a viral infection and these people were just trying to get compliance out of the people. Like they came up with this nice, bold solution of two weeks to flatten the curve and and it still spread. Like it just continued to spread. It just did. And within a month, it was like, all right, we just need to get through Memorial Day weekend. Like it's just it's just been one thing after another after another after another after another it's been it's been almost two years guys since i originally <laughs> talked about this thing on this podcast i think it was still called i am the Emp- or i am 2020 at the time and uh it's just it's been two years and there's i mean we have we've had delta we've have omicron we've had all this stuff and we've had the vaccines we've had all the different things that are going on with this virus. And I think a lot of people are getting over it. Like, I think people are starting to see that the CDC, the NIH, all these organizations that are supposed to be looking out for the health of the people are making grave mistakes, are making, are, are misleading the public, are self-interested per se that they are just making things up as they're going that they're just shooting from the hip that they're treating this thing like it's still March of 2020 that the media goes along with it and just perpetuates it I think more and more people are starting to wake up to that There are still the people that are wearing masks alone in their car, I know. There are. There is a lot of people that are still super compliant when it comes to wearing a mask when you're out in public and all that. There's people that swear by that religion that masks are the end-all, be-all. And every time there's a spike, it's because people stopped wearing masks. Every time it starts to go down, it's because people started wearing masks. Like, there's, there are people that still believe that. I'm sure some of you guys still believe that. I'm not convinced that masks work whatsoever. Nah. Maybe, maybe 10%. Maybe 10%. Like, 10% less spread. Or something like that. Maybe. Maybe. If you're wearing a mask. And the reason why is because if you cough... <coughs> And some large spit particles leave your mouth or you sneeze and large spit particles go shooting off into the distance somewhere and it's going to get onto somebody or it's going to be floating through the air or whatever. Then, yeah, maybe some of those larger spit particles that would have hit the ground end up shooting through the air for a few seconds or whatever. Maybe. But... If you if you remember pre-COVID, pre-2020, they would say 
hey, you know what? Don't cough into your hand. Don't sneeze into your hand. Cough or sneeze into your elbow. You would put your, the not the elbow, but the inside of your arm, the opposite side of your elbow, you would put that against your face and you would cough into that. You would cough into your sleeve. That was the, that was what they would say to you if you had a cold or a cough or whatever. If you're going to sneeze, sneeze into your, into your sleeve. Don't sleep into your hand. Just don't sneeze into your hands because then you're going to touch a doorknob and spread it. So they don't say that anymore. You don't hear anyone say that anymore. So masks are the equivalent of sneezing into your sleeve, essentially. So you don't spread the larger droplets or whatever. But those tiny, minuscule, aerosolized particles that they talk about that are so deadly or whatever that spread it, those pass right to the mass, they pass right through the sides, they pass up, down, outside, either side of your face, wherever. So the person to the right of you and to the left of you catches COVID, but not the person directly in front of you. I don't know how that works. I'm pretty sure some of those sneeze particles probably shoot out the sides as well, just like some of those sneeze particles when you sneeze into your elbow, go straight down and straight up. But the mask religion has become what it is. People give you blank stares when you're walking outside or walking through a grocery store without a mask on. And this is an interesting tidbit of fact. I'm, um, I go out to the grocery store in, in my area, and as I said, it's in South Carolina, and I see more people wearing masks here than I did up in, like, Vermont, which is, like, the bastion of liberal democracy. Like, they, they call it the um, Soviet states of Vermont or whatever, like, the People's Republic of Vermont. Like, it is very liberal up there, and you have way more people in South Carolina wearing masks than you do in Vermont, which I thought was kind of odd. Even in New Jersey, New York, I think the people up there are just over it. Whereas in South Carolina, it seems like there's more compliance per se. Maybe it's just my neighborhood, my area, which I think that is true because I've gone all all throughout the state as well and different areas have different, different compliance levels, I guess. So, but needless to say, Two years into the pandemic, we're still in a really crazy situation. Like, for example, we have a vaccine. It came out December of 2020. And it came out and everyone was ecstatic. This is the end of the, this is the end of COVID. I get, they thought that everyone was going to get the vaccine. There was going to be no problem, which, you know what? You can age stratify this thing and you know that, hopefully you know this by now, that 90% of the people that have died from COVID, it might even be like 95% of the people that died from COVID, but don't quote me on the exact number, but it's, it's above 90% of the people that have died from COVID have been over 65. And that, so those people know that it's riskier for them. Those people know it. Or at least they should, but you don't hear the government saying it. Like they, the government, the the public health officials treat this thing as if it is 
equally dangerous from a one-year-old to a hundred-year-old. They treat it like it's a one-size-fits-all problem that a 15-year-old child has just as much chance of dying as a 75-year-old woman. That's the way that the public health... But, but, but you know it. People that are 65 or older, 90% of the deaths happen in that age group. The other... Another, the other 10% of the deaths pretty much happen in the, you know, 25 and up group. But most of those deaths are from people that are like 45 and over. Like if you go down to the 35-year-old age group, very few deaths. If you go into the under 25 age group, I think it's, yeah, under 25, it's it's extremely low. And literally under seven, 17 and under, it's like 600 deaths total in two years. So you can age stratify this thing and see that some people have more risk than other people have. And the people that have the highest risk, the older people, excuse me, people over 65, they're like 95% compliant on getting vaccinated. They are. Like that is... A rational decision for somebody in that age group to get vaccinated. Because somebody that's like 75 or over, if you get COVID, you have a 10% chance of death. So we have the vaccines that come out. And we thought they thought, oh, this is the end of COVID. This is it. We're done. And throughout the year, it's just been people getting vaccinated. And, and, and you realize by you know, by April, like most people were vaccinated that were in the in those age groups that are most likely to die. But do you realize that more people have died in 20 more people have died in 2021 than in 2020 from COVID with the vaccines. So there's something that's not adding up with regards to the vaccines at that point. And I am not an anti-vax person. I I know every person that talks about this has to say this ahead of time. I'm not an anti-vax person. I'm not against the COVID vaccine either. Per se. I'm obviously against anybody forcing anyone else to get the COVID vaccine. Especially when these vaccines are... I mean, highly experimental. Before 2020, there was only one mRNA vaccine that was approved, and it was very rarely used. And it was like approved literally maybe a month or two before COVID came out, like October of 2019 or something. Like it was a very, very new technology to be used. They knew it could be used. But it was experimental then. And then it gets rushed through. They did six months of experimentation on these vaccines. And I think it was maybe 30,000 people in the Pfizer trial. And I looked into all this stuff. This is a while ago, so the, the numbers might be slightly off. But there was like 30,000 people in the in the Pfizer trial 15,000 got placebo, 15,000 got the shot. Um, you know, 100 people in the 
non or the placebo group got the got COVID or something like that, and you know, five or six people in the non-vaccinated got it. So it was less than, I I can't remember exactly what the numbers were, but it was not that large of a group, like less than a hundred people that got COVID of the 30,000 people. So this is a, and and this is how they come up with a 95% number is that, you know, of the hundred people that got it and five people that didn't, that's how they came up with the number, the the 95% effective against, against, um, COVID or against catching COVID is it was a small number of people. Now, does the vaccine keep you from having breakthrough cases? No, <laughs> my wife got vaccinated and, and then like three or four months or five months later, she got COVID. So that's, that's not the case. <clears throat> does it the li- limit the number of people that get it? Like, let's say, um, you have a you have sixty percent chance less likely of of getting COVID with the vaccine. Yeah, that's that might be true. But in the younger age groups, in the under sixty five age groups, especially the under like thirty five age groups or even forty five age groups, you have a much less likely chance of getting COVID. So I'm not. I'm not saying that there's no benefit to the vaccines. I generally think that there are for the older age groups. But to have these mandates going into effect, to have these local governments forcing people to do it, to have these situations where you're going to have a vaccine passport, and all this stuff that's going on in order to force compliance, not to limit the spread of COVID, because we know that the vaccines don't limit the spread of COVID especially with Omicron now, but these are designed to force compliance. Those are completely wrong. Those are totally out of bounds and should be done away with, but there's nothing that we can do to stop that, right? Um, But we do have, but I mean, so like I said, I'm not anti-vax in that sense, but I'm against the idea of having forced mandates and we've seen over time that COVID is still going on. COVID continues. People continue to get it. It's endemic. It's something we need to learn to live with. It's not a death sentence for people that get it. It's very rarely a death sentence for people that get it. You can see from the CDC's numbers, I've looked at this, the death, the number of deaths in the over 75 population back in January of 2020, before vaccines were widely distributed, were really high. And now it's really low. Like, I think it was in the eight to 9,000 per, per week range of people that were dying from COVID that were 75 or over back in January of 29, or 2021. And now, in the end of 2021, it's like thirteen or 1,400 people in that age group. So the vaccines have helped people in in that age group. But then again, this is a seasonal thing. So back in January of 2021, you were having a large spike in cases at that point, and you were having lots and lots of deaths from people 75 or over. The next spike came across the United States. And uh, that so the first spike was January. And then it started to decrease in January, 
Um, and then the next spike was in the summer of 2021. That was the southern spike. You had Missouri. So it started kind of in Missouri, and then it worked its way down to Florida, uh, through Arkansas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Georgia, and all that. That was the next big spike. But during that spike, you had less deaths in the older population because, and and from what I see, they were vax. There was there was widely distributed vaccinate vaccines among those people. You don't see a decrease in deaths between that time for people fifty five and under. I I did the I did a little bit of research on this, and you see in the CDC's data. You have, I don't know how many, let's say it was 5,000 people in the 45, not even that. I think it was like two or 3,000 people per week in the 45, you know, that 55 and under age group. 2,000 maybe per week. And uh, in that age group, it's, it was still around 2,000 per week. Like it didn't significantly decrease the number of deaths, even though 40 to 50% of that population, maybe even more than that during that time, were vaccinated. So the vaccines seem to, in my, from what I see, they seem to work very well for the older people, but not so much for the younger people. Who knows? I mean, it, it's, it's so, there's, there's so much data out there and there's so much disinformation. There's so much so-called authoritative information that is that is publicized in a way that is propaganda per se. There's so much of that out there that it's hard to even comprehend what's going on. It's data overload. And most people don't give a crap anyway. Most people don't pay attention to it. Most people just put their mask on their car, drive to the store, double mask when they get in the store, go home and sit there and be terrified. But there's so much data out there. It's hard to wrap your head around it. It's hard to understand it. And let's be honest, the CDC, NIH, FDA, all these public health organizations are just putting out propaganda in order to try to get people to take a vaccine. And that's it. That's all I see. Like... This Omicron thing, oh, everyone go get your booster, you'll be fine. Well, no, that's not even true. Like, Omicron is is a version of COVID that, is, that seems like it's weaker, yet they don't say, oh, it's a weaker virus. They say it affects people that are boosted less than people that are not. Like, that's not true. If you look at the South African data, which is a very low that is a society that has a very low vaccination rate overall. It had a spike and it's going down. That's what happened. They had very few hospitalizations during that time in a low vaccine population. Yet, our public health looks at this like it's March 2020 again, and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, we're not sure about Omicron, and, yeah, by the way, go get boosted just in case. Like, it, in my opinion, it seems like they are working for this, they're working for Pfizer and Moderna. Basically, the lo- and the lobbyists are, work- are working their butts off to ensure that the CDC 
and the NIH and the FDA are all in unison. Just get vaccinated. Just get vaccinated. Just get vaccinated. Just get boosted. Just get triple boosted. Quadruple boosted. Whatever it takes. Just do more boosters. That's what it seems like to me. That the these organizations that are supposed to be public health are simply marketing wings of the pharmaceutical industry. And I mean, there's a lot of evidence that'll back that up. Over the years, it's been that way. There's no, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that that's the case. I mean, these people don't want to be questioned either. Look at the emails that were sent from Fauci or between Fauci and a few other people back in October when the Great Barrington Declaration came out. And they're like, we need to publicly put an end to this right now. We need to, we need to destroy these people. I can't remember exactly what the email said, but basically we need a takedown of these people publicly and fast. So you can't even question what these public health authorities are saying or else they're going to take you down. And they have the perceived authority of the government behind them. So they are the perceived authority to the public. MSNBC, CNN, all these organizations, ABC, every news media outlet believes 100% that anything that they say is the gospel and it's true. And most people go along with that as well. So these people have the perceived authority from their position in a, as a public health official, and they're going to take down private organizations or private individuals because they are saying something that's outside of their authoritative narrative. So that's what we have. How does that help people's perception of these public health? Public health... I mean, I've never been a fan of public anything, being a libertarian, but the lack of trust that people are going to have in public health officials going forward, it, they have destroyed that authority in a lot of people's minds. Yes, there's people that go along with it. Yes, most people do. But there, if, if there was a 1% group of people that were skeptical of public health authorities, now there's 10 to 20 to 30% of people that are skeptical of public health authorities. And all they've done is just just drag themselves to the mud because of that. And that could be a good thing for a libertarian. Like, we could be like, yeah, that's a great thing. But in general, in general, there's not a private organization that, that... can take up that. So there, there's a there's a need for public health. There's a demand for public health in the sense of people that are authoritative that can say what they say and it's and, and people can believe that it's true. Like there's a demand for that. There's a need for that. And there's not like a private organization that can take up that mantra right now. And hopefully there will be soon. But that's that in the meantime. In the meantime, maybe that's a bad thing, but over the long run, that could be a good thing, let's say. But there's been hundreds of cases where, I mean, I don't know about hundreds, but multiple cases where these people are caught in their lie, in their noble lie. For example, Fauci's saying no masks, and then he's like, you don't need masks back in March, and like a month later, oh yeah, mask up, it's the most important thing you can do. 
oh, there's no reason you really need a mask back then, right? Like these people have lost their authority. They've lost their, they've lost credibility in a lot of people's minds and especially in my mind. So that's where we're at in the pandemic. Like it's, I mean, I've read a lot of different books over the last several months. I've read, you know, the real or Tony Fauci or whatever by Robert F. Kennedy. I've read a few others that are in that same genre of book that's critiquing the COVID crisis and so forth. And it's, I mean, it's looking at it from a skeptical eye, a skeptical point of view is so important to do. So keep on doing that. Keep on doing that. Make sure that you um, at least stay healthy. Like take vitamin D, keep your immune system strong, you know, so that if you did get COVID-19, you'll be fine. Um, But, I mean, it's an endemic now. It's something that's going to be with us for forever. Honestly, like what you're probably going to see is little small outbreaks of COVID-19 over the, you know, for for the rest of your life, that's fine. It's going to be like getting the common cold. I think even a doctor back in 2020 said, "Yeah, since this is a new, new, <clears throat> a new virus, like a, it's a new virus." So they said, "So most, if it was an old COVID virus, if it was one that's been around for a long time, everybody would have got it from the time they were like, you know, zero to 20 years old. So if you would have got it when you're 80, you're less likely to die from it because." you've already have some sort of immunity to it. That's what that, but now with COVID people are dying that are older because they didn't get it when they were 10 or 12. Well, now everyone's going to have gotten it, but by the time they're, you know, 80 years old and they're gonna be less likely to die from it. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. It's an endemic. It's something that's going to slowly go away over time. So it's just on you to protect yourself. It's on you to, you know, take the risks that you're willing to take and that's it. And in my opinion, I don't, I just live my life the way I live it. I just go about it and do what I do. Like, I'm not worried about it. So, um, I'm not telling you you have to do the same thing, but whatever. This has been going on too long. There's too many people that are, you know, honestly, there's an entire group. There's probably an entire industry built up around this thing now where it's not going to go away because there's interests that are trying to protect their monetary flow, like money flowing to them. There's mask makers. There's people that are doing COVID tests. There's nurses that are giving COVID tests that are, you know, giving people vaccines that are doing like there's an entire industry built around this thing. Now it's the COVID industrial complex. And that's what we're going to be dealing with now is trying to break down the COVID industrial complex. But since there's monetary interest involved and politicians involved, then those people are going to collude together and create even more, more drama, more challenges. You know, that's true. So anyway, this is I on the empire. This is your boy, Ray, giving you guys some information. Hopefully it's good. Hopefully that, um, that you enjoy the show since it's a slow podcast week. And hopefully I'll do more shows in the future. I don't know. I haven't decided on how I'm going to approach I on the Empire still. It's been a year or so. And I've done a couple shows and that's it. Um, I don't know what I'm going to do. 
I can't stand focusing on politics 100% of the time, but I can do a rant here and there, and I appreciate you listening to that rant. You have a wonderful new year, and hopefully I see you soon. I don't know about you, but I am always dealing with these clueless people on the internet and in my daily life. And I was looking to learn how to defend libertarianism. And if you're in that same position, you want to learn how to defend libertarianism, advocate for a free market, and win any political or economic debate, then you need to join Liberty Classroom. That's Tom Wood's Liberty Classroom. And you could do that by going to iontheempire.com slash liberty. If you do that, you'll be able to earn the equivalent of a PhD in libertarian thought and free market economics online for just 24 cents a day. That's amazing. Once again, go to iontheempire.com slash liberty.